Welcome to Knit British, the podcast that explores all the connections of Britishness in wool, fibre and knitting. On this journey, meeting all of the people involved, from sheep to skein, I am your host, Louise Scully. Knit British and love local wool. Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Knit British podcast. I hope you are well and cheery and ready to dig in with another big episode of the show. Um, I was going to start this episode with an apology uh, for it being uh, later than anticipated, but I feel that A, we apologise for far too many things that don't warrant an apology and uh, B I don't publish a timetable you know of when episodes are out although sometimes I tell you when to expect them but you know the only real expectations of when a podcast goes out are mine um, in terms of making it and putting it out also I put out an extra episode in April there was the uh, Edinburgh Yarn Festival Meet the Shepherdess episode so I feel like you had plenty to listen to uh, last month and a later show was totally warranted. Um, Just a reminder, guys, uh, that today, if you can do one thing for yourself, do it and don't apologise for doing it. Self-care is not selfish and we all owe ourselves a little bit of time to ourselves to do something nice for ourselves. If you can go out for a coffee right now or for a walk, take me with you. I get to go on great walks. Um, Or you can make a plan to do something that's just for you later today. Then please do it because you deserve it. This month we have Wool Exploration with Jacobs and I look at, as this title suggests, some new books. There's The Vintage Shetland Project by Susan Crawford, The Knit Sonic uh, Stranded Colourwork Playbook uh, by Felicity Ford, and the new Shetland Guild uh, of Knitters, Spinners, Weavers and Dyers book, Fair Isle Designs from Shetland Knitters, Volume 1. So, grab a whip, grab a drink, and let's get cracking. Before Edinburgh Yarn Festival, I received a review copy of Fair Isle Designs from Shetland Knitters, which is the new book from the Shetland Guild of Spinners, Knitters, Weavers and Dyers. In addition to their books Legacy of Shetland Lace and the Shetlanders Fair Isle Graph Book, this is now their third beautiful volume, and it says volume one, so... That's quite a good sign, isn't it? (laughs) There's going to be another one. Um, For anyone who's seen their previous books, the book is similar style, A4. Great colour photography and really easy to follow layout. And the book features traditional colour work in classic and uh, some contemporary designs and shapes. There are 15 patterns 
they sort of range from wristies and device cozies and hot water bottle covers to traditional jumpers, all over cardigans, hats, gloves, mittens, uh, things like that. And they all carry the spin and wheel logo, which is the logo of the, the guild logo, to show difficulty or ability. So I think that's a great idea. I think that's a great visual clue, isn't it, to um, how easy or how much skill um, a pattern is going to, to need. Patterns like the uh, Bonhaus gift bag uh, by uh, Jeanette Budge and the Jemima hot water bottle cover by Wilma Cooper and a smartphone cover by Irene um, Copperwheat. They're all one uh, spinning wheel, <laughs> one or two spinning wheels. Um, and these are also really great patterns for getting familiar with Fair Isle and with stranded colour work. Then there's patterns like Oti Cater's uh, Snow in Kergert mittens, which I really love. I need to find the picture of them. I really, really love that pattern. That was one of the striking patterns um, when I opened the book. That's a three spinning wheel. Difficulty or ability? Or skill, requi skill required, maybe? Um, you must have three spinning wheels of skill. <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, patterns like like the Snow and Kerrigard mitts have a bit more interest in them, a bit more, a uh, few more colours and things added to them. Um, I loved some of the garments. Sarah Leith's vest um, is just gorgeous. Um, it's a two-colour cropped vest, although I'm quite sure you could make it longer. Um, it's called the Tangwick Tank Top, and it's a really, really simple design, but really effective, and that's knit in Jimison and Smith Heritage Naturals, which is one of my favourite yarns. The Sanderson jumper from Hazel Tyndall with its coloured yoke and pattern body, that's truly stunning. And I really like the rib on that. It's got a bit of a mock cable effect. Um, really, really eye-catching and a little, just something that's a bit different. That is your full five spinning wheels of skill required. Uh, but it's incredible. Um, my only complaint about this book is that all of the garments are pictured flat and not modelled, apart from one hat, which is beautifully modelled by a, a very small, cute model. I am all for being able to see the whole design uh, and having images of it flat, but I think it's very helpful when you are thinking about how that's going to look on your body. I just like to see it on another person. It doesn't have to be a person that's the same shape or size as me, but it just adds another dimension of my own understanding uh, of the pattern. And if it's something that I think is going to look just, you know, where it, where it fits to and how it fits a body. And I'd like to see that um, in future guild books uh, because these guild books are incredible. And I think there are lots of models in Shetland um, who would be uh, brilliant <laughs> for for books like this. I mean, maybe the guild members themselves should get in front of the camera. Um, but that, that is my only complaint, um, because I think you will find this utterly charming and a very cast honourable book. I love the range of motifs in the book. 
from very easily memorable piri patterns to more intricate designs, you know, and always two colours. That's the thing. There's only ever two colours in every row. And, you know, this some of these Ferrell techniques look really intricate indeed. Also, the designs with interesting constructions, steaks and things, all of these are clearly explained and um, that's really helpful information at the beginning of, um, of the book. As I said, the layout and the charts are really well um, presented and very clear. And as well as the patterns, there are written pieces. Uh, Carol Christensen, who is the curator of textile curator at the Shetland Museum and Archives, she's written the foreword. And Helen Robertson, um, who's a guild member um, and an incredible uh, jeweller uh, and all-round crafty, wonderful person, has compiled the designer bios and the mini interviews with each designer on every designs page and this is an excellent edition it is really good to know a bit more about the guild designers and their inspirations uh, and choices you know what they why they chose the yarn they did and why the pattern means what it does and where it came from that's a fantastic thing and I and I love to see that I love to know that and um, it's just that added dimension of enjoyment of a pattern book and of knitting a pattern this is a lovely book and the designs from these very talented uh, designers are just beautiful and I believe that a great many of you listening will enjoy this book um, as a whole um, as it's just a, a beautiful book but I think it's also good to help develop your feral knitting skills. Uh, as I say, you can if you're not a confident fair eye knitter like I am not, um, you can start off with some of those one, two or three spinning wheel skill required patterns and sort of work your way up I think I think that's really good I should say that nine of the patterns in the book are sort of one to three wheels so there's a really good mixture of ability I don't want to hear anyone say you know that this book would not be for them because I think it would be a fantastic book for you know gaining confidence in fair knitting and working up um, your skills as well as enjoying all of the patterns if you are already a competent or advanced fairy knitter. The book costs twenty one ninety nine, and is available from shop.shetlandtimes.co.uk It's also available at shetlandwoolbrokers.co.uk and it's orderable from all good bookshops it would appear as I could seem to be able to order it via Waterstones if I wanted to. Um, thank you to the Shetland Times and the Shetland Guild of Spinners, Knitters, Weavers and Dyers for allowing me a look at this treasure and the treasure it is. It is Fairel Designs from Shetland Knitters, Volume 1. I'm always so excited to see the books that come from the Guild and this is just another fantastic addition to that collection. When Felix Ford announced pre-orders for her new book, The Stranded Colourwork Playbook, I was in that queue right away. I had supported the Kickstarter for Felix's first book, the Knitsonic Stranded Colourwork Sourcebook. And working with Felix on November, I knew that she was working on this new book and I couldn't wait, honestly, couldn't wait to be able to 
get my hands on this book. Knowing Felix, if you follow her on social media or you've listened to her podcast or you follow her blog, you'll know how passionate she is about um, colour work and rule in general and what a fantastic good egg she is. But, uh, you know, I know how, you know, much of herself she's put into this book and just couldn't wait um, to get my fat hands upon it itchy with intention to do more uh, stranded colour work designs of my own creation. Saying that, <laughs> I, I didn't make much from the last book, I just drew lots and lots and lots of charts. I think it's fair to say that um, Felix has enabled many of us to do just that, to not only set foot into the world of stranded colour work for the first time but given us the impetus to go I can do this I can create charts and taking our inspiration from the everyday things oh I could just could just burst into the Wombles song there don't think you've tuned into the Kate and this Craft podcast because she's always talking about Wombles but um, <laughs> inspiration from the everyday things oh, well, I've totally lost the plot now but yes, Felix has enabled many of us to, to not only discover colour work, but encourage us and inspire us to create our own designs. That's what I was saying. And um, with this new book, we sort of build and play from that first book. Um, there are knitted postcards, there are knitted bricks, there are dots and dolls and a veritable knitted garden. Uh, these are the stepping stones and toy box uh, to your own inspirations again and with um, tarmac and bricks and dandelions being striking examples of inspirations from the first book we springboard with even more of these in all their stranded colour work glory in the playbook. In her introduction Felix explains that this book is a continuation of the last book but also a creative response to some of the questions that she gets asked at workshops uh, such as how can I turn my swatch into something wearable how do I scale my inspiration source into a knitable motif and how can I wear colours which I don't often wear the latter is discussed with reference to the incredible capes you may have seen Felix wear around Edward Yarn Festival uh, and in her uh, social media. But uh, th this is a great conversation in the book with her friend uh, Judith Dakin. The Dots and Dolls is my favourite and it's a really um, a, help, a very helpful exploration of scale and proportion and how to translate sort of high resolution inspiration sources which for Felix was a, a purse, a fabric purse with the Russian dolls on it and how to translate that into um, knitted gauge which is a very different resolution indeed. I blimmin love the patterns for the Matryoshka dolls and their um, cheery little dots. These patterns uh, are three device cozies with um, the different scale um, and proportions across them and I can see the dolls and dots being a hugely popular pattern for people to adapt but the lessons about th those issues of, of scale and things like that and ideas to overcome are so helpful. I'm such a fan of both Felix's books and I'm not just biased because I got the first, I backed the Kickstarter and got the first book before I really knew Felix. Um, and I've been so excited to get this 
new book on my bookshelf. Uh, I know how hard she worked um, with it, with November and this book. And I just feel so inspired by the Stranded Colour Work playbook. From bunting to bricks and cowls and floral capes, truly everyone can springboard um, the inspiration sources from their imagination and translate them into standard colour work designs. There really are no limitations when it comes to this. I was particularly inspired by the Bricken cowl and have plans for my own version of that, though not bricks. I'll talk a little bit about that another time when I've started to formulate a plan. Uh, what's more, you can also buy the Knitsonic Stranded Colour Work Playbook Colouring Companion. It's a colouring book. I love it. I love that. And not only does Felix encourage us to, you know, colour our own charts, but she lets us colour in the design charts from her own book. I love that. Um, the Stranded Colour Work Playbook from Knitsonic costs $19.99 and the Colouring Companion costs $6.99 and you can order them at knitsonic.bigcartel.com um, I love Felix and I genuinely love this book and it's, it's joyous and I hope it will totally enable you in Standard Colour Work Adventures. Like I said, I am not a confident colour work knitter and it's not the kind of knitting that I spend a lot of time on but I just utterly love how empowered I feel when I create my own charts and that is thanks to Felix and I know that there are lots of us out there who have these skills and have that joy um, because of her. So thank you dear Felix. And because she's so flipping amazing and lovely she's only given us a book and a colouring companion to give away. So head on over to the Knit British Ravelry group to find out how you can win. Um, please read the rules before entering and thank you very much Felix for that incredible prize. I almost feel like this next book could have its own show. It's a book of epic proportions and epic importance. The Vintage Shetland Project has been eight years in the making since Susan Crawford first visited the Shetland Museum and Archive storage facilities and began to, quote, read some of the archived textiles. Designs which never came from commercial patterns. They came from the creative brains of talented knitters in Shetland. The items provided interest in pattern, in structure, in construction, but also Susan was really keen to save and revive and recreate some of these designs, which are all exceptional and unreal one-offs. I should give a disclaimer at this point to say that I assisted with some of the research in this book. The copy that I have is the one that I bought when I backed the crowdfunder. Uh, so I've not been paid to review this book. I am never paid for reviews. I might be given items to review. I always tell you when I've been given items to review and when I've bought the items myself. And if you're ever in doubt, the information is always at the bottom of the show notes at knitbritish.net. Um, so I'm delighted to be able to tell you a little bit about this book. Um, I always give you 100% of my honest opinion, but I'm going to have to tell you that I'm going to come across as really biased here because, uh, and I'm sorry if that's the case, because this book of 27 patterns 
27 patterns, almost 100 pages of essays, all about the Vintage Shetland Project, how it was researched and put together, and um, about the very important Shetland knitting and people behind these original designs. Um, that is is incredible and it's you know it's a really meaningful book and you know as well as all of that there is the the social history and the people involved women like a huge advocate for Shetland lace Elizabeth Henry uh, that's a particularly important story to me in the research for this book um she recorded Shetland lace for the first time and you know for the first time really talked about it outside of the aisles and talked about the importance of the designs and of the practitioners the people who were creating incredible Shetland lace she's really the person that we have to thank for transmitting that because she made presentations and she wrote about it and she's absolutely incredible um other people like shetland suffragette christina jimison who created the entire tunic um that is a spectacular garment we, we learn about designs in the book like print a wave uh, the eight-pointed star things like that this is an incredible book of patterns it's an important part of my history and of the history of um, and traditions of knitting in Scotland and in the UK and fashions it's an incredible biography of people who have never had their story told and as a Shetlander I'm so incredibly proud of this book um, 27 patterns include 21 garments uh, 18 of the patterns in the book are Fair Isle and they're utterly breathtaking and I, you know, knew about all these patterns and knew about about what was going into this book but I can honestly tell you that this book took my breath away. I can connect to so many of these items in this book from seeing them in the museum and anyone who's been to Shetland may have seen the originals too. So many iconic styles and stitch patterns. Um, the OXO, the print wave uh, shale. Um, but so much innovation in these designs too, in terms of shaping and construction. The Tate Berry is one of my favourites. such a unique construction. It has this incredible um, construction of fair isle and stock and stitch and the matching scarf Helen also has this really interesting construction um, I love the diagonal fair isle on the scarf it's just incredible uh, I'm not going to go through all the patterns um, I'm just going to talk you through some of my favourites the Marianne lace cardigan with the print wave um, is one of my favourites and the Johnson short sleeved lace top that, there are two designs that are very similar to items I can remember my nanny wearing. Uh, Marianne in particular is reminiscent of a cardigan that my Auntie Jean had, uh, which had little pearl buttons on it. I can really remember it. I love that that actually can be made in lace weight or the vintage Fenella two-ply, which let's not forget Susan's own yarn. Um, Fenella is, has been, the range has been created especially for this book in the range of colours that there is. Some of the Fair Isle designs also remind me of my nanny too. She was a knitter 
I have all of her Fair Isle drawn designs and the rose pattern in the rose cardigan was totally recognisable from that. Uh, this cardigan is steaked and has a lovely shoulder detail. It's very hard to be objective about this book in a lot of ways. I backed it gladly did I back it? You know, I, I really wanted to support it from the get-go. And then I was a little part of it in the making of it um, in, in, a, in a research way too. And it's so overwhelming to see these patterns for these items, which, as I said, have been familiar to me, lots of them familiar to me in lots of different ways. On a personal level, it connects me to Shetland and my history and my connection to knitting in ways that I can't even tell you. And... Not only is it overwhelming in those ways um, and seeing those designs anew um, in pattern form in a range of sizes for anyone to knit, the materiality of this book um, is overwhelming too. At over 450 pages and a hardback, when I got it, I held it in my hands and felt very overcome um, by what I knew was inside and the materiality and weight of this special book. Oh my goodness me, I'm getting emotional. I've got such a big lump in my throat. And knowing that sort of the amazing content that was in there and the incredible photographs, which I've not even mentioned yet, the, the photography is all, mostly all, all shot in Vela, which is um, a Shetland, an island on Shetland, which um, I'm sure you will have seen in Susan's film um, on Vimeo about the putting together of this book. To stop me from absolutely havering and crying, I'm going to tell you that you can buy this book at susancrawfordvintage.com, you can buy it at asolda.com, and my good mucker, Willie Thistle, in the US, she um, will be having copies and she's going to be the wholesaler for North America. So, uh, thewillythistle.com, uh, you can get it from there. It costs £48, which may seem like a lot and is a considered purchase for many of us. Uh, but there are 27 patterns, 27. And, you know, all of that great content in terms of essays and stories and history um, is very much worth it. The only, only, only complaint, and the, this is a very, this is genuinely my only complaint, is that there isn't an ebook. And I know that I will find it hard to knit some of the items from this book without having an ebook or being able to have a PDF on my tablet you know there is a lot to want to knit in this book and I think that people will find that um, a difficulty so I would love to see a digital ebook um, coming for the patterns even just the patterns um, it would be very handy indeed um, but that is my singular complaint um, because this is a superb book oh my goodness me Next up is wool exploration, so if it's time for another cuppa or a glass refresh or you need to take a little break, this is the time to do it.
before I go on to talk about Jacobs, I want to say, please watch episode 72 of the Fibre Trek podcast. This is Sarah Hunt's podcast and she came to EYF. Uh, I think I mentioned a couple of episodes ago that there was an interview with the rarely seen on film, lesser spotted Louise Scully. I very rarely do video interviews and... Um, you know, it's it's you know, it's just my personal preference to do audio. Uh, but when Sarah Hunt asks, then you do it because <laughs> she's incredible and she's such a kindred spirit. And um, it was such a special meetup. And you'll see if you if you've watched that episode already, we're quite emotional <laughs> in that. Um, this is all about the emotion. But it was, you know, it was so good to meet her after all these years of knowing her. And then we go on to talk about rule and the importance of local and things like that. And so uh, do watch it and, and do, you know, give her podcast a go if you've not. It is a video podcast, but I totally find that I can take it with me. Uh, you know, I can do other things. Sarah is a very good host. She's extremely descriptive. Um, she's sort of an audio podcaster on video. <laughs> um, and also in that episode, about 20 minutes in... Sarah talks a bit about the misuse and misunderstanding of the term rustic. And this is something that I have talked about more than once. Rustic is a totally valid describing word for some wool. And they shouldn't be used in place of scratchy or itchy. It doesn't mean scratchy or itchy. Shouldn't be used as a nice way to say that. We should try and be a bit more descriptive about how we use words for wool. Not just positive words, but negative words too. I don't think rustic should be used as just a nice way of saying itchy because that's not what rustic is. There have been a lot of questions about describing words for wool and fabric in the uh, wool exploration, um, asking if there is a textile thesaurus and not to my knowledge, but you know, maybe we are creating something here with wool exploration that will go some way into starting a new vocabulary of wool describing words. Um, in terms of using words to describe wool, don't worry about making up <laughs> a new term. You know, if it feels like wet seaweed, which is a legitimate um, description that I once was given, then put that in your review. If you can only liken it to another wool that you've tried, that's great. That gives people an indication that it feels like X other breed wool. If it feels like velvet, if it feels like felt, if it feels like silk, if it feels like a man's face with a five o'clock shadow, if it feels like fluffy buttered kittens, whatever, do not be afraid to use creative words to explain exactly how that wool feels to you. You know, there's nothing inherently wrong apart from using itchy or scratchy, because I feel like that is very particular to person uh, and it's not an, a successful all-round describing word, in my honest opinion, for describing wool. And itchy and scratchy, what's itchy to you is maybe not itchy to me, but to brand wool as itchy is quite damaging for that breed and for that small small business sellers and things like that so but otherwise get creative with your word vocabulary jacob or jacobs um is an interesting breed uh, jacobs also has an interesting history or at least it is believed to have an interesting history there's no real way of knowing how old this breed is it's 
thought to be primitive. It's thought to come have come to the UK from the Middle East by way of Spain. There are paintings of distinctly spotted sheep uh, in Egyptian art from uh, 1800 BC. There was a question in the chat thread about why some of us say Jacobs and some say Jacob. Uh, it's something that I will use interchangeably. I know I do. Uh, Jacobs apparently comes from the speckled sheep of Jacob from the Bible, who had, let's say, interesting methods of selective breeding and improving the breed, um, should we say, of his father-in-law's flock to make his own share of that flock stronger and more uh, beautifully marked in the way that we know the Jacobs today. However, that's a nice story. The term Jacobs or Jacob was only given to these sheep sometime in the early 20th century. Before this, the piebald two to six horned sheep were referred to as Spanish. Um, Spanish sheep. Philip Walling's Counting Sheep, he refers to a long-established flock in Warwickshire, which was said to be of Portuguese origin, and uh, the paperwork for those said they were imported to Britain in 1756. Why Spanish? Well, apparently there are numerous reasons, but Spanish was a byword at one point for anything exotic. Spanish flu? Uh, <laughs> very exotic. <laughs> so Spanish was used to sort of indicate foreignness and exoticness at one point in time. Although you also may buy into the story that Jacob's sheep swum to UK shores from a sunken Spanish galleon in the 16th century, that might also be true. Who's to say? Were you there? <laughs> Whatever their uh, origin, by the 18th century, Jacob's were kept as ornamental uh, animals uh, on great British estates. They were not particularly commercial, so improvements were made around that time to make them better, better meat animals, and that made our UK Jacobs a bigger animal. Uh, North American Jacobs are smaller and apparently closer to that pre-improved British breed. In the US, the Jacobs breed is a threatened breed. It has threatened status. This is a different list to the UK and the Rare Breeds um, Survival Trust watch list. Uh, in the 1970s here in the UK, um, not long after the formation of the RBST, Jacobs was in the minority and now there are 8,000 breeding sheep in the UK, which is great. The Jacob Sheep Society say that the breed is one of the most improved breeds in Britain over the last 40 years and has been improved to be hardy, long-lived, prized for lean meat, beautiful skins and, of course, wool. All of which have a ready market. And that's a real success story, given that, you know, 40 years ago they were classed as a rare minority breed. So let's look at some of the characteristics of the breed before moving on to our reviews. Jacobs are commonly referred to as sort of brown, black, white, speckled sheep, but um, the fleece can be as dark as 90 to 100% cocoa solids um, with, you know, real milk chocolate and then greys, lilac, blue greys, brown greys. There's a lot of variation. Um, there's some are referred to as lavender Jacob, and I had some lavender Jacob that I bought to spin. 
texture can range between all of the different colours in one fleece. Even lock formation and staple length can vary. I was blown away by the crimp and luster on the white locks in the fleece that I bought and how different the locks were in the other colours and how the crimp was less distinct in the darker colours, particularly right up into the very, very dark uh, brown-black. Kemp can be present in the fleece and even the kemp can range in textures in one fleece. I have to say I found no kemp uh, in the... um, raw fleece that I'd bought from Etsy. British Jacobs apparently has a heavier fleece than the smaller US counterparts. UK Jacobs uh, fleece can weigh up up to three kilograms. Staple length is usually three to six inches and fibre diameter around 25 to 35 microns, but that can be vastly different between um, different sheep and vastly different in the, in the fle- one fleece. Jacobs has a semi-luster uh, and while not a long wool luster breed, um, it actually shares down-like qualities um, in its fleece as well. I, so I said I did buy some lavender Jacobs to spin with. I used my drop spindle, which I haven't used in ages. And it was lovely sorting through the different colours. I decided to spin the similar colours together and then three-ply it, keeping those similar colours together because I wanted my swatch to show the jumble of colours in a sort of striping fashion. Um, I was pretty um, impressed, like I said, by the crimp and lustre on the white fleece. And I even challenged my Instagram pals to guess the fleece. Um, and not many people could. Um, not many people guessed Jacobs. Um, I don't think I would have guessed Jacobs either, actually. I would have definitely have thought BFL or something like that. Um, it was a very, very, um, I'll put the picture up so you can see it, very, very crimpy and lustrous. Um, it was so interesting feeling the different textures of the colours too. The whites, the greys, the black, all spun and felt different. The black definitely felt the coarsest of all three. It was just def- the other end of the spectrum from the fine um, white. It drafted and spun most enjoyably for me, actually, that dark stuff. And perhaps it was because it was a bit more textured. Um, I did take a picture. I, I spun um, the white, the grey and the black as separate threads. Um, and I will try and remember to put that picture uh, on the post so you can see the difference. Um, I will admit I've not dropped spindled in a long time. and It felt clunky <laughs> and the yarn is rather arty. Um, but I'm happy with it as a swatch and you can see the different colours and um, you can see the different textures, the fineness of the white, the hairier black and the incredible sort of mix of grey browns from uh, light mushroom uh, to fawn steel greys to darker flatter grey. It's lovely and the white um, is on my cast on border and when I rub it against um, the space under my nose and above my top lip the fine fibres are just so soft and and tickly and it and it you can really feel those long soft fibres and when I do the same with the black those longer fibres are thicker less bendy against against the skin it was really lovely trying to spin this uh, and I've knit with Jacobs before. There's a KB post um, from a while back of my first foray in, into working with Jacobs and 
Um, I made the Woolly Wormheads Castile hat and it's still a favourite hat. I still wear it. It still keeps my head warm. Um, I should say that not all yarn sellers will separate Jacobs into different colours. My Castile um, is a mixture of all of the colours. Um, some do. Some, some yarn sellers do. Um, and they uh, provide yarns in each colour um, and sort of prepare each fibre, colour of fibre, to the strengths of the of the softness or the um, texture of each colour and, and spin it, you know, if it's best spun, worsted or woolen. And for a long time, uh, Blacker used to do a woolen and a worsted spun um, Jacobs in different colours. Often the colours are mixed, like I said, and you'll remember um, that we looked at Blacker's new Jacobs um, a few uh, weeks ago and lots of our reviewers have used this yarn. Um, I'll link to the um, original Wooly Mucker review if you want to go and remind yourselves. Um, again, they separate out the natural colours and then selectively blend the natural colours together to get um, a great effect, a great marl effect. And then when that yarn is dyed, the natural colours create gradients, um, even though they're all dyed in the same dye pot. The fleeces take dye really well, but with the natural coloured variegated fleece, you'll get interesting results if you're dyeing yourself and not perhaps um, selecting your different coloured fleece, different colours of the fleece um, and separating them out. So I tried various Jacobs myself in the past and I've got some commercial spun here and I've got some from used wool, which isn't available anymore. Um, to, to knit for my polygon blanket but I'm turning the Jacobs review over to our intrepid followers a slightly different uh, desk configuration so I can <laughs> do, do the, the review so the microphone is now in a different place um, apologises for apologises apologies for any uh, clicking um, I have dual screen um, for our um, reviews here. Um, we had 20 reviewers. Thank you very much to Ramsey Baggins, Dry Gardening, Think Knitting Green, Ma Dashper, Maz Knitter, Becky P, Elfin Petronella, Seaweed Sarah, Lisa Marguerite, Rebecca 72 Jones, Mariette 694, Practical Cat, So Cherry, uh, that's Elaine, uh, Del B, Sin Spins, Sando, uh, Judith, Fine Fetal Fibres, Nitty Narna, Atlasphere and Drainold One. Uh, thank you so much to you for submitting your reviews into the Google form. And thank you to everyone uh, who joined in the chat in the Knit British Ravelry group for, for the Jacobs exploration. And there is a heck of a lot of chat in there and quite a lot of um, in-depth, step-by-step uh, -step exploration of Jacobs. So please do go on over and have a wee look in the Knit British Ravelry group for the wool exploration thread for Jacobs. So as I said, there were 20 reviewers and this month the brands of yarn we were using were West Yorkshire Spinners, uh, Jacobs Yarn. There were uh, seven uh, reviewers who used West Yorkshire Spinners. There were seven reviewers who used uh, Blacker Yarns. Uh, Black, uh, one of us uh, used Black Bat Rare Breeds, uh, one used Dartmoor Yarn Company and we also had 
um, some hand spun as well. The majority being used this month was DK, but we had just as many people using uh, four ply and a couple of us using Aaron. In terms of preparation, it's mostly worsted spun. Uh, half More than half of us uh, using worsted spun Jacobs uh, with woolen spun, semi-worsted and then hand spun. So let's get going with, with your reviews. First up, the hand squish grab and initial thoughts on use. Ramsey Baggins, uh, who was using Aaron West Yorkshire Spinners Jacob, said that it was delicate and soft uh, in, in the hand squish grab. Dry Gardening, also using Aaron West Yorkshire Spinners, said in the hank, the yarn felt robust, but with an overall silky finish, despite hairs and or chem. Think Knit and Green, uh, she was using a four-ply blacker worsted. She said, spongy, very soft and delicate. Um, her initial thoughts on use would be a winter camisole in a feminine lacy motif. How wonderful. Ma Dashber, Faye, she said, uh, there was no smell to the wool. It f- feels boingy and light. Really nice, even ply. Very strong. Doesn't break easily. She was also using the blacker four-ply worsted spun. Maz Knitter, another blacker four-ply worsted spun. Maz, you might remember, was one of our woolly muckers who tested out the, um, the four-ply. Um, so she made a little... Um, sweater bunting for uh, the Knit British um, 100 episodes bunting and she also did um, a vivid square and she says uh, this is quite a loosely twisted yarn a mixture of both woolly softness and silky smoothness that is not like anything I've knit before Uh, Becky P said sheepy smell, bouncy, strong, smooth, slightly rustic in the hand, more so when rubbed on my cheek. I don't think I'd wear this next to my skin. And she was using West Yorkshire Spinner's Double Knit, which is uh, a slight contrast to Dry Gardening, who found it um, quite silky, um, despite the yarns and and the, the hair in the yarn. Isn't this the most fascinating thing about wool exploration is how we experience the same yarn and same breeds differently. Seaweed Sarah was using Black Bat Rare Breeds uh, Woolen Spun uh, Jacobs. She says, proper sheepy woolly wool, firm, robust, strong, bit of give, but soft at the same time. Uh, Lisa Marguerite was using Dartmoor four ply and she said, Oh, hello, this wool is sprongy <laughs> for the hand squish grab. <laughs> That's a really good description. Oh, hello. <laughs> um, Rebecca 72 Jones uh, using blacker double knit worsted says, Soft and smooth, sheepy, uh, return to form after squashing, probably good for jumpers. Marietta uh, says, lovely wool in the ball, quite soft with a subtle glean. I think because it's worsted spun, the stitch definition will be good and it is constructed of two plies. I'd like to try lace. And she was using uh, blacker four ply worsted as well. Practical Cat said, pleasant to feel, very traditionally wooly, but not prickly. Quite bouncy, the yarn springs back when given a pull, lovely subtle hues, seems quite firmly spun but not tight uh, from my novice perspective, lighter weight than some DKs but also strong and she was using West Yorkshire spinners. Hello Jeremy Jean. 
Are you coming in to learn about Jacobs? <laughs> uh, so cherry, soft, rustic, as in sheepy, with a halo, looks like it will have good drape. And she's using West Yorkshire Spinners Double Knit. Another one using West Yorkshire Spinners Double Knit is Del B, who said the hand squish grab was surprisingly softer than I thought it would be, given all the, given all the white and black hairs. It looked coarse, but it wasn't. Sin Spins was um, hand spinning. Uh, she got her Jac uh, Jacobs from Witchwood Spinner, which is where I got the, the my Jacobs from on Etsy. And she said, Witchwood Spinners kindly gave me a fleece that included equal portions of white, medium grey, along with a bit of dark grey. The locks only looked about two inches long, very soft, with loads of crimp. That is exactly my experience too. I separated the locks by colour, flick carded them and spun uh worsted style from the lock it was very easy to spin the yarn shows more luster than one would imagine from flick locks and there was a slight difference in the hand between the colors but not much sando she was using fleece from a local farmer she said it spun into a very lightweight skein crunchy and toothy to squish a creamy color as the fleece had yellowed with age in my shed i also spun a little of the brown fleece uh, for contrast color work that was a little coarser to the touch i didn't find any kemp but a few nippy bits from the second cuts in the fibre. That was down to my raw lag prep though. Judith, fine fettle fibres. She was using West Yorkshire Spinner's uh, double knit. She said, a bit crunchy at first, but softened as knitted lots of guard hairs. Nitty Narner, uh, another blacker four ply. Fairly soft, though rough against the face, not itchy. Slight sheepy smell. <laughs> Sorry, I just started to laugh because... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, but as I start, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I honestly, I just as I was reading that, I somehow got. <laughs> oh dear, sorry. As I was reading that, I got this 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 sort of slight feeling that I was reading the shipping forecast. <laughs> On Radio 4. That is so funny. I'm going to try not to laugh now. <coughs> oh, dear. Fairly soft, although rough. <laughs> Jesus, stop it. Right. Um, <laughs> sorry, Nitty Narna. To totally hijacked your... <laughs> see for the tears now right stop it uh, fuzzy halo crisp some dark and light hairs possibly lanolin free <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh jings right Stop it. I've just been totally transported back to when I used to do acting and corpsing on stage with uh, in rehearsals with uh, the lovely fellow who wasn't my husband or my lovely fellow then. Um, 
and you just when you go you go there's nothing to stop stop it um uh, some dark and light hairs possibly lanolin free high twist to the yarn uh, felt more string like than previous explorations but that's maybe due to using a four ply when I've used DK before. Initial thoughts that it would be good for colour work, yar uh, work yarn for accessories, uh, possibly a good all rounder yarn and my apologies Nitin Narner for messing up your beautiful hand squish grab there. Atlasphere, Elizabeth said, uh, hand squish grab, soft and clean, uniform yet rustic, and she thinks sweaters would be great for Jacob's yarn. Uh, Drainold, she did two um, hand spun lace samples, one using witchwood spinners and the other using fleece from Marlin Sheep and Wool Festival. So her Witchwood Spinners hand squish grab, she said, the hand squish grab of the hand spun woolen singles was soft but a little prickly. Unspun lock handle range from semi-silky to curly kinky, a few pieces of kemp here and there, easy to spot and remove. I should say that Drainald One has left incredibly detailed exploration notes which you will find in the wool exploration thread but I also encourage you if you feel like you want to write more about the wool that we're exploring you know blog about it or get on twitter or social media um, and I will share that as much as I possibly can um, Drainold One's um, fleece from the Maryland Sheep and Wool she said softer than the UK British overall um, as the fleece and fibre source book suggested might be the case something that is not next to the skin soft might work as a hat scarf, a hap, a light poncho or a woven item yeah I th you know I think Jacob's would be great for weaving as well so observances whilst knitting uh, so, or whilst swatching, I should say. Ramsey Baggins said the yarn feels much more rustic when actually knitting uh, with it compared to the skein. The hairiness of the yarn, as well as the coarser fibres, are more apparent when they pass through your fingers. There is not much stretch in the yarn at all, so tension for myself is quite easy to maintain. The yarn sheds, it does not feel greasy when knitting. Garter stitches are well defined, whereas stockinette is less defined. Stockinette feels softer uh, and looks less hairier than the garter. Um, dry gardening, also using Aaron West Yorkshire Spinner, said the yarn was nice in the hand and easy to work with. It slipped through my fingers smoothly and felt silky smooth despite the hair excuse me, the hairs or kemp, um, which did shed a little as she worked along the swatch. And she said also, uh, even with the hairs and kemp fibres, the yarn had great stitch definition for texture and cables and resulted in a fabric with lots of character. The fabric remained pliable despite the many travelling and twisted stitches. Think Knitting Green with the blacker four-ply. She said, delicate, soft yarn, pleasure to knit with. Lace pattern stitches are well-defined. Mad Ashbur, working with the same yarn, lovely to work with, not super soft as it runs through your fingers, which is far from essential for me. There is no splitting of plies as I worked it. The test square has fabulous stitch definition across the cables, eyelets and stocking stitch. Maz, um, who was also working with that same blacker four-ply, worsted, pleasing, cartful yarn to knit, emerging swatch was stretchy and drapey. Um, 
Although I had deliberately chosen to make something loose-knit, the yarn didn't feel mean and knitted uh, like this, just relaxed, a tiny bit crisp and crunchy before washing. The surface fabric had a slight shine and some halo of loose fibres. Becky P, smooth through the hands, no guard hairs, and she was working with West Yorkshire Spinners, which... Uh, dry gardening found that there was a lot of guard hairs so are we seeing a difference in weights and you know or was it just the luck of the draw with with the yarn um you know again breed wool can be different in the fleece it can be different in the spin it can be different in which yarn weight you choose very interesting and i i don't think i appreciated that until we started doing wool exploration um quite so much Elfin Petronella, who was using black or four-ply worsted, said the Jacob was smooth, not slippery to knit with as I transitioned through different stitches. As I have four-ply, I had in mind the boot socks from the Pure Wool book, um, Sue Blacker's book uh, would be good, but I like the dense, stretchy fabric created by the slip-stitch pattern, um, so I may look at other options. Sarah, uh, Seaweed Sarah says... Uh, uh, in the knitting, in the swatching, it feels firm and strong, not silky soft like merino, but not rough and rustic. <clears throat> Flows reasonably well through the hands, a touch splitty and thick and thin in places. The wool is bouncy with a nice plump garter stitch and good definition on cables. Not a lot of drape, uh, but it has produced a lovely fabric that is pleasant to touch. Lisa Marguerite with the Dartmoor four-ply, she says, The stitches popped off the hook, the yarn flowing smoothly through my hands, not sticking or catching in the ball. The wool seems stable but soft, like if you were tiny you could use the yarn as a comfy but supportive pillow. I've just had nasal surgery so my sense of smell is dulled, but thankfully my sister is staying with me and so I asked her to sniff my wool, as you do, and she told me that it doesn't smell sheepy. Rebecca, 72 Jones, smooth over the needles and felt soft in my hand. Not much give and a tendency to split whilst knitting. Now that is the blacker four-ply worsted. And we've already heard that the four-ply isn't splitty. So again, there's slight differences for people. Shorter uh, contrasting colour guard hairs present in the yarn which with the natural variation of the colour of the yarn gives a pleasant variable colour when knit. Some bits of organic material were present, it didn't make me itch and it didn't shed. Marietta, she says the knitting feels nice and light, that is great because the pattern that she was using was quite complicated and she was using a, a vintage lace pattern. Uh, from a book called Art Knitting. Practical Cat was using Weshart Spinner's Double Knit and she said very easy to knit with, even and grippy. Excellent stitch definition, especially the cables and the swatch drapes nicely. Quite soft and smooth fabric, but also matte. Doesn't have the crispness of North Royalty or the luster of Ryland. Uh, so cherry says lovely sheepy smell good amount of guard hair but no shedding creates a dense 
creamy fabric that is curling a little bit. Stitch definition isn't so great, so glad to have chosen a simple stitch to make the yarn shine. And that was a West Yorkshire Spinners double knit. Del B, using the same yarn, says it's quite soft in spite of the white and black hairs. This surprised me. I went down a needle size as I wanted a more dense fabric, but the drape is still wonderful. Garter stitch is clearly defined even though it's hairy. The natural colour gives a heathered effect. The wool feels quite plump but smooth when knitting and the fabric has a structure that makes the logs of the pattern really nice and defined with sharp edges. Del B, of course, doing a um, log cabin swatches. Sin spins with her hand spun. She says it seemed only natural to knit a colourwork swatch. The yarn has enough stickiness to indicate that colourwork would be a good idea. It also has plenty of bounce due to all of that crimp, yet it doesn't sacrifice drape. There's a slight halo of fibres, but not much. Any and all of the unevenness you see in the stitches are the fault of the spinner and not the sheep. I'll put up pictures um, so you can see. Uh, Sando, Sandra, who's also uh, hand-spun hers uh, from a local farmer, says crisp and open, but enough stickiness for colour work to work, hopefully. That's great. Another colour work um, uh, suggestion there. Fine Fettle Fibre said, even fabric in stocking stitch, but poor stitch definition in moss, cable and lace. Good drape. So that's another West Yorkshire Spinner double knit. Um, you know, a lot of this is also down to our own knitting styles, I guess, too. Um, but it's fascinating to hear about the similarities and the differences we're finding with the same same breed and the same yarn. Nitty Narner said, felt a bit rough on the hands while knitting, but that's not a deal breaker. Love that. Swatch has a lot of drape, maybe due to the needles being bigger than the normal for four-ply wool. Feels crisp, lace shows well, and basic garter and stockinette. Cable and rib definition is not so great, but expect that would get better with smaller needles. Elizabeth Atlasphere says that her first her impressions while swatching was that the wool is chalky and dry, satisfyingly cottony feel, open, uh, stretchy, floppy even. Uh, and she's using a Meridian Jacobs. It's um, from California. Gerald's um, hand spun lace. She says lace stitches show nicely for woolen spun. Fair stitch definition in stockinette for woolen. Some give. Fibre was wiry. Seed stitch looked a bit like chain mail. And that's maybe um, similar to how Judith found the poor stitch definition for moss stitch and cable with her double knit. Um, that's interesting. So, wash, block and wear, one. Ramsey Baggins said she blocked after a wash in uh, cold water, no detergent, just to see how the yarn uh, acted without anything else affecting it. Blocked it to 8 by 8 inches. The swatch um, was the same size as it was pre-blocking. Uh, there's a slight bloom on the yarn. The garter feels more rigid than the stockinette. The yarn has become softer since blocking and the stitch definition has become more crisp. Uh, which she found surprising. The coarser fibres are really visible, but that hasn't seemed to have affected the feel of the fabric. Dry gardening also started uh, her wash block and wear with no soap, just very warm water, for it soaked it for more than an hour. 
She said, in the water there were some brittle hairs and kemp that had broken off in the movement of the um, soaking. Um, the swatch relaxed after soaking uh, and was not resistant to being blocked. Upon release, it showed little change in dimension. Uh, worn directly against the chest for the day, moving about with regular activities, the hairs and kemp were noticeable throughout the day and at the end of the day she was glad to have removed it. Think Knitting Green, she gently hand-washed with wool wash soap bar from Dodgson Wood. She says it blocks easily, fabric is malleable and springy, it was very soft next to the skin. Ma Dashbur said the dimensions changed a little and there was a slight amount of blooming around the eyelets. Other than that, there were no changes. Uh, Maz Knitter uh, soaked overnight but only because she forgot to take it out the same evening oops um, didn't really bother too much about pinning this out just squeezed the water out of a towel left it to dry on the windowsill she said soft smooth malleable still some halo and some random fibres I must admit that I haven't tried wearing my swatch it's a bit too um, tiny for me and that was Jacob's jumper bunting fair enough <laughs> she says a nice rustic yes sorry the r word effect without feeling coarse or scratchy I think that's the valid use of the word rustic um, you're not using it to mean scratchy Becky P she says she soaked it in use line for 30 minutes then pinned it out she's using the Berlin pattern uh, from Kate Davies she said it looks uh, nice. I would have blocked it out larger than needed for the pattern. Feels quite smooth. Worked uh, worn under the shirt for a day. Quite warm, softer than I expected, and barely noticeable. Elfin Petronella Emma. She soaked it uh, uh, in lukewarm water uh, in Usland for 15 minutes. Blocked the swatch to 12 by 13 centimeters. I wore the swatch at my shoulder, waistband, and on my foot each for about two hours at a time, and was blissfully unaware at all times that's great that's really good swatch movement i like that <laughs> it's the swatch wear migration <laughs> seaweed sarah soaked hers gently in a soak wash for about an hour rolled up in a towel and laid it out to dry blocking consisted of gently nudging it into shape it grew a little in dimension uh, it feels lovely. The garter stitch is really plump and bouncy and the cable section's almost velvety. It has a hint of halo and is softened up nicely, but still feels woolly. I wore it tucked into my bra strap at my shoulder, then moved it later to the inside of my waistband, where I have slightly sensitive patches of skin. There was prickle, uh, but more of a sort of hello, remember me, than uncomfortableness. I love that. Uh, Lisa Marguerite, she hand-washed her swatch in hand-warm water, no soap, then blocked it out to 10 inches, once dry, tucked it into her bra strap and marvelled at how soft it was. I didn't notice, notice it was there until I took a selfie and saw it peeking out the top of my jumper. There were no prickly sensations. Rebecca 72 Jones left her soaking overnight in cold water and soak. I like the drape. It is not stiff. It hangs nicely. The stitch definition is good and it appears semi-lustrous. Marietta, I washed it in Usulan and blocked it heavily. Uh, the blocking size was 18 by 18 centimetres. It bloomed not much after washing, but there was a little halo. I wore it for a few days in different places of my body and there were no itching at all. I forgot about it immediately. There was no pilling, not even after the rubbing test. Practical Cat said there was some drape. It was slightly softer. She was aware of the prickle against her skin, but it was not unbearable. And that is a West Yorkshire Spinners double knit. Um, also, 
do using that same yarn so cherry the curling issue was resolved yarn has a good memory and looks much tidier after blocking beautiful weight and drape to the fabric and uh, del b also using that same west Yorkshire spinners dub on it it blocked very well the logs in the log cabin easily pinned out and stayed true nice drape and the wool is still plump and the garter ridges seem to be better defined uh, Sin spins with her hand spun, hot tap water, dish soap, agitation, cool rinse. The floats at the back were ample, uh, so there was no draw in. As a matter of fact, this could have been blocked out even further. It doesn't appear that the halo of fibres has increased in the washing. I wore this swatch inside my waistband for several hours, then under my bra strap, and in both cases there was no irritation at all, and I forgot that it was there. Sando, she washed her hand spun. Uh, uh, swatch in wool wash quite a vigorous rub to see if any of the yellowing reduced it didn't but I decided that I quite liked it the swatch has shrunk uh, a touch to nine by nine inches I blocked it quickly by the radiator and it was pretty it was a bit wrinkled and not pretty (laughs) fine fetal fibers Judith she said even better drape and softer to the touch Still not great stitch definition, slight discomfort when first worn, but maybe that was because it was very slightly damp still. Oh yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna add to your discomfort. It's like when you put your jeans on when they've been on the radiator and that waistband is still a bit damp. Oh, that's so irritating. But she did forget it was there. Uh, Size after fairly aggressive blocking was 23.5 centimetres to 26.5 centimetres. Then Nitty Narna, blacker four-ply, put it in soak for one hour and blocked lightly. That swatch has softened up lightly, slightly, sorry. Couldn't feel the swatch on the hip, but a slight tickle on the shoulder. Very warm. Notice shoulder got cold when swatch was removed. Atlasphere, um, her swatch was dense, tighter, bloomier, soft as fuck. I love that. She didn't say as fuck. She said AF, but this isn't it British. Uh, bendy, fluffy, lots of personality. Feels exactly like Snailden, Fairy's four-ply, if it were a two-ply. That is really great. Really great to liken it to another yarn. Um, it gives us a, a, a definite idea. Uh, one downside is that there are a few uh, nips sloughing off. May have shed a bit. It could possibly be pilling. Draenald said, lace and stitches still uh, show up well despite no blocking pins or wires. Seed stitch, still a bit more like chain mail. Wore the swatch against my uh, under my bra strap. Initial prickling, less prickly over time. I was still glad to be done with the test at bedtime. So that's a that was a really really in, um, intensive wash block and wear for the first one. Now the second wash block and wear, Ramsey Baggins, she blocked hers in cold water with Ucelan soak, uh, and to the same dimensions as the first block. It feels softer, more halo, similar to the first wear test, soft but with prickle that builds across the day. Prickle was more noticeable in an area uh, which moves more but it was wearable and would recommend wearing it over another layer dry gardening put hers in a washing machine hot water wash 19 minutes agitation cold water rinses tumble dried without heat for approximately one hour that's an incredible second wash test shrinkage post second wash is approximately 1.8 percent in width and 18.3 percent in length 
cabling pattern tightened up and the pattern blurred considerably. Many hairs and kemp continued to protrude and perhaps more visible as the undercoat fibres. In the second wear test, wore directly against my chest for a day. The swatch felt softer after its fooling in the second wash. However, I continue to believe that the best application for this particular yarn would be for other than next to the skin wear. Uh, knitting Think and Knit Green did the same as Test 1 and the fabric is even more pliable and slightly softer. Uh, Faye, my dashboard, she says slight dimension change, but as before, no discernible differences. Becky P soaked in Uceline for 30 minutes, then pinned out and it was softer than after the first wash. Elf and Petronella put the swatch in the washing machine on the wool cycle at 30 degrees using Uselan and laid it flat to dry but didn't pin it. She wore the swatch tucked into her waist whilst doing housework. Uh, there was a distinct prickle at first but it subsided quickly. On examination of the swatch I found that a number of the guard hairs had lifted up. I guess this is a result of the washing method and probably explains the prickle. I then wore the swatch under my foot uh, whilst out walking for an hour. I did not notice any prickling but the but the area the swatch covered felt itchy once my shoes were off and I hastily removed it. There was some felting, but the fabric remained stretchy and pattern sections retained their definition. And that was the blacker four-ply that Emma was using. Seabead Sarah repeated the soak treatment, but more roughly this time, rubbing the swatch vigorously, then left it accidentally soaking overnight. Next morning, I pinned it out in a towel to 8.5 inches square. It still feels soft, but robust, comforting and wooly, no change at all that I can see, certainly no pilling or felting. Lisa Marguerite, I followed the same hand washing with no soap and blocked with pins procedure as before. The second test was the same as the first with no noticeable differences in the swatch or against my skin. Rebecca 72 Jones, she put her uh, swatch through the washing machine on the wool cycle with soak and it settled to 21 by 21 centimetres. Stitch definition is good, no felting. I took them the swatches to work to share with crafty colleagues. They loved them and agreed that it was softer and nicer than the previous Ryland swatch I had showed them. They loved the stitch definition. Uh, Marietta694, for the second time I washed it in cold water, no detergent and forgot about it so it soaked for a day. I dried it on the line uh, with clothes pegs, it dried lovely, little white hair sprang out, everything is a bit softer. Wore it uh, for another day and rubbed it until the first pills came and practical cat um washed hers again slightly softer and drapier but no dramatic change from the first block uh looks more even in change between garter and stockinette slight prickle when worn inside bra but can get used to it fine against the back and then a few of you not doing your second wash block and wear test which is a shame i do ask that we do the wash block and wear at least twice and if you can do it a third time that's great it is important i think it, you know this is showing that that there are differences the, the more you wash block and wear it so i would really you know ask you to make time to do that second wash block and wear 
Sandro says, I wore it against my arm and neck and belly all day and did not feel it. I slept on it and vigorously rubbed it with my hands on and off for the evening. It bloomed and softened beautifully and developed a soft drape with a fuzzy haze. The colour work melted together very well. Since spins didn't find too much difference between test one and test two, the swatch looks very much the same and there is uh, the halo is there uh, and it doesn't seem inclined to pill and doesn't obscure the pattern. Because the yarn has such bounce I probably could have blocked it out more to match the cast off dimensions and uh, Nitty Narna she said that there was slightly more halo and Draenald one said after the second wash while stamp lightly laid it out to dry and shaped it the sample looked less wiry the horizontal band of seed stitch looked stopped looking like chainmail and began to look more like seeds however when dry the chainmail look returned though not as distinctly thoughts for use of this yarn post-exploration. Uh, Ramsey Baggins said, it feels like a great warm workhorse yarn, perfect for hardy socks, definitely okay against my skin for sweaters um, and definitely would use it again already. Uh, got some socks on the go. Uh, Dry Gardening said, this yarn was easily manipulated for cabling, twist stitches, texture stitches and a good stitch definition despite the hairs and kemp. Great for a truly rustic look. Um, Dry Gardening also says that she's grateful to those in the Knit British Ravelry Forum on the uh, explanation of Kemp. And maybe I'll need to look at this um, uh, a bit more in another episode or maybe a blog post on it. Quite often, you know, in wool exploration, people will say there were was Kemp or guard hairs. And Kemp is quite a particular thing. Um, sometimes there are harder, longer, darker, coarser fibres in present in, in yarn that aren't what you would consider to be Kemp. I think I'll do a blog post on that, but um, dry gardening, very thankful to those in uh, the Niche British Ravelry group for uh, their conversation and assistance with that. You know, we we are all learning. We There are none of us experts and, you know, that that is... That is so true. We None of us are experts. We, it is a constant learning curve the whole time and we are learning more and more. It is fascinating and there is always something new to learn here. Um, so, you know, none of us are 100% right and it's all about how we experience this yarn too. So, thinking Nick Green says if she could only use one uh, wool for, to use for the rest of her life, Jacobs would certainly be it. Um, it has tested admirably durable um, it would be good for all manner of garments worn next to the skin she still believes a fine camisole would be an excellent use for this yarn an elegant jumper refined mittens or a delicate um, scarf or shawl Mad Ashbur said garments and anything that needs lightweight but hard wearing attributes I would love to test this out for a collar work or larger cable pattern items Masnitter says this feels like it would be perfect for jumpers, cardigans and pr- probably a whole range of warm but lightweight accessories. I don't think I'd risk knitting socks because I'm not sh- sure how well it would stand up to really hard wear. I think it would be great for lace work or in a pattern which called for a combination of for the both the delicate and the rustic. Becky IP said I would happily happily use this again and inclined towards a hat or jumper. Not sure I'd want to wear anything against my neck in this but definitely soft when washing. 
Uh, Elfin Petronella found Jacob wool to be pleasant to knit with and versatile and hopes to make socks with this wool. I will be experimenting with different washing methods before I cast on to see how the pricklishness plays out. Seaweed Sarah says it behaves beautifully with a range of stitch patterns. I think it would be ideally suited to textured knits, in particular cables and Aran style traditional patterns. What I love is that it manages to be both robust and soft at the same time. I would certainly use Jacobs again and look forward to trying out uh, the different brands as the difference in feel is one of the other things I'm learning from my exploration and that is quite right. Uh, Lisa Magritte, out of all the yarns tested so far, Jacobs is a winner for me. Though I loved Gotland, I love Jacobs more. Sorry, Gotland. I can imagine a lovely cabled cardigan in this, perhaps Kate Davies' Finlagen or some cabled socks or a ploofy cowl. Rebecca 72 Jones, I like this wool. I would make a jumper or a cardigan in this and think it would make a good hat. I would not wear it next to the skin, but I have sensitive skin, um, but it would make a lovely warm throw. Marietta says, great yarn. This will be great for a garment because it's so soft, but also hard wearing. Practical Cat, I have uh, used this yarn already for a jumper and socks, both comfortable and hard wearing. This is an extremely versatile and useful yarn. And that was the West Yorkshire Spinners double knit Practical Cat was using. Elaine Socherry Knits, she says... This fabric has a slight prickle on initial touch and when moving it on the skin, but it totally disappears on settling. I don't, since I don't plan on living as a shop mannequin, I wouldn't use this as a garment over a hat or a scarf. I would have no issues with touching it, touching my wrists, and so mitts would be a toasty knit. I love the creamy feel of the fabric. Del B, who was using West Yorkshire Spinners double knit as well, said I really like the feel of the wool once washed and think it would get softer and drapier with wear. I would definitely knit a yoke jumper maybe a simple cardigan such as the Stockbridge. Sin Spin says uh, Jacobs can be spun in a variety of ways to make yarns that would suit garments of many types from sweaters and shawls to smaller accessories. The bouncy quality of this yarn indicates that it might be good for a good candidate for cables. Sando said she'd like to try a commercial brand to compare it with the hand spun. She'd happily wear a cardigan knit in this yarn. It's a very nice spin indeed. Judith Fine Fetal Fibres said, I think this would make a great outer garment, warm and hard wearing, but anything other than stocking stitch or garter stitch would be a waste of effort as a combination of the dark natural colour and the guard hairs just obscure the stitch definition too much. Uh, for Judith there. Nitty Narner said, I have just received new Jacob's wool from Blacker, including some DK. This appears to be softer in the ball than the undyed wool that I had for the test. Uh, she was using Blacker 4-ply worsted for her test. Um, I think it was the older Blacker 4-ply that she was using. So she says, planning on trying the DK for colourwork mittens and 4-ply in socks. We'll add my findings to the thread at a later date. And that is great. Please do revisit the thread. I always make the current month's wool exploration thread sticky so it's at the top of the thread but I just unsticky them at the end of the end of the month and the threads are always there please keep adding your thoughts um, it would be really really helpful because you know again we're leaving a really good resource here um, from what we're learning for other people to learn Elizabeth Atlas here says, damn good sweater, cardigan, rustic cables, anything um, soft on the skin would be great with this yarn. And Drainald said, the same as her initial thoughts, she would wear outerwear, anything that wasn't in touch with sensitive areas. I think Jacobs 
has been a really great, I mean, I've enjoyed all of our wool exploration and I've really enjoyed all of your thoughts on the different breeds that we've used. But Jacob seems to be one of these ones that some of you thought was going to be, maybe going to be a bit prickly, maybe didn't hold out much hope for. And it's been a bit of a surprise. It's been a bit of a um, horse of a different colour um, in the terms of, of what it's done. Some of you have found that textured stitches not, worked out so well others of you have found cables and textured stitches incredible so maybe we're going to want to look at how it's been prepared and look at the the um the spin is it worsted spun is that going to show off some stitches better than woolen spun all of these things um have a bearing on how they feel against your skin as well. But I I have really, really, really enjoyed that. And next month, or we're going to be, or later this month, depending on when I get it out, we will be looking at um, tease water. And I realised that I had published um, two different dates for the tease water deadline. So you have until... Uh, Monday the 14th of May to finish your tease water swatches and get your um, Google Forms filled in. After Tease Water, we're going to be looking at Romney. Um, and I will, there will be a post hopefully by the time this goes out, if not before, soon after, uh, about our Romney exploration. And, you know, just because I've not opened the thread yet and I haven't written the post doesn't mean you can't get going with that. And um, then after that, we've got the, the Dorset Breeds, um, and then South Down. And there might be slight changes to um, our deadlines for this because I have to factor in my usual summer pod break and also I'm taking a holiday in June, which might um, mess up slightly with the wool exploration. But whether or not I take a break and whether or not the podcast isn't around for a couple of months, we will still be doing the wool exploration and I will still be bringing those um, reviews to the podcast it just means that I'm taking a break I don't expect any of us to stop exploring wool in that time thank you again to everybody who took part in this month's wool exploration and to everyone who talked about Jacob's wool in the Knit British uh, Ravelry thread and um, I'm looking forward to our tease water exploration next time on the podcast <laughs> any other business uh the nature shades along is coming back but hold your horses i've not got a date for you yet um this came about because a few weeks ago i got kind of pissed off um when on social media a dyer suggested that british wool was grey and boring and needed to be dyed oh really um, well, it took me right back to the great work and the wonderful feeling um, of doing the Nature Shades along with Isla from Brit Yarn a few years ago and how we showed how natural gradients and natural rainbows and, you know, encouraging people to use natural shades. It was incredible and the work that was created was stunning and natural colours suit all skin types. Who, who'd have thunk? I, I started thinking about it after I read that and sort of challenged that um, assertion. And I'm planning another celebratory Nature Shades along very soon, probably July, but that's as much 
as you're getting out of me I'm not I won't be tied to a date so don't ask me just yet but um, you you need to be a little bit patient. We've got quite a lot of community stuff going on at the moment. Um, and I also need to factor in my usual summer pod break. And that will slightly interrupt things like rule exploration results and and things like that. So, but we will be doing it again. We are definitely doing it again. Undyed wool definitely isn't boring. And I feel sorry for anyone who does think it's boring. And... Um, you know, for any disbelievers, we're going to show you. Better yet, join in. See for yourself how incredible nature's shades can be. Also, very soon, I'm going to be launching a little survey on clear labelling. Um, this is something that we've looked at quite a lot here on Knit British. And I'm planning to deliver a paper on clear labelling. And I would really, really appreciate your input on this so there will be a sort of I'll be publishing it on in the Knit British group I'll probably do a post on it as well Um, I would be really grateful if you could give me a few minutes of your time tell me the things that are important to you on a ball band and how they influence your purchasing decision if they do Um, again I'll be planning to deliver a paper on this but this is something that I want to take forward and take your thoughts and opinions forward and hopefully show show yarn manufacturers the importance of clear labelling so those are things to look out for and look forward to before I go let's say hello to the new kids in the Ravelry group which we haven't done for ages and I apologise there have been lots of new kids then of course I always say hello to all of the people in the Knit British Ravelry group all 2634 of you you're absolutely awesome the the whole lot of you you really are Um, and it's a great community over there and there's such a lot of great chat and there's such a lot of valuable conversation and really good friendships over there so um, hello to all of you in the Knit British um, Ravelry group especially the lovely board lurkers and to the new kids so we've got Poppleton who is Helen from York hello Helen my life with wool who is Tina we've got Ginny who is from St Paul is that St Paul Minnesota in the States lovely to have you with us Ginny We've got CG10, who's Kathy from Stratford-upon-Avon. <gasps> Haven't been there for years. Went to see David Tennant in, in Hamlet and um, spent a night and a day there. And it was a fantastic place. I'd love to go back. Um, and we've got Rainy Pooh, who is Lorraine from uh, Toronto. Hi to you. And um, again, hello to everyone. And thank you for all of your input. Um, if you haven't joined the Knit British Ravelry group, I would love it if you did um you can find uh, us on ravelry by searching knit british all one word in the groups do remember that knit british is all one word um although on social media i have to be knit underscore british is because someone else took the all one word but knit british uh, the name of the podcast and the blog is one word capital k capital b Also, I want to say hello to all of the new followers on social media and in Ravelry and to everyone who um, I met at Fine Fettle Fibres on uh, a couple of Saturdays ago at the launch of the new 
Northumbrian Rose yarn. I will tell you a little bit more about that in the next podcast and hopefully be able to bring you some of the interview that I did there with Judith from Fine Fettle Fibres, Lindsay aboard a tart, uh, Stella Ackroyd, um, who's designed in the yarn, and Francia, who provided the BFL um, that makes up the wool content of this yarn, which is uh, I think 35% BFL, 25% alpaca, both from Northumberland, and 40% rose fibre. So that was a fantastic day. I did a talk and um, it was wonderful and met lots of new people and um, saw lots of old friends too. So thank you if you listened to this podcast for the first time and you learned about it at um, at Fine Fettle Fibres. I will be back at some point soon. Uh, until then uh, take very good care remember self-care is not selfish bye for now thanks for listening to the Knit British podcast to find out more visit www.knitbritish.net you can email me louise at knitbritish.net I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at knit underscore British and I'm on Ravelry as Lira You're a big singing star now, remember? This California dude is just a little heavier than usual tonight. Really? From where I stand, the sun is shining all over the place. Don't you remember I told you? There's a microphone.
I got no glory. I got no fame. I got no big mansions. I got no money. But I've got... What have I got? I don't know. What have you got? I gotta get out of here.